If you've been listening, you've probably sensed things aren't right on campus, or for that matter, in the American street. So what is this game of truth or consequences we seem to be playing? Hi, I'm Rex Rogers, and this is episode number 127 of Discerning What is Best, a podcast applying unchanging biblical principles in a rapidly changing world and a Christian worldview to current issues in everyday life. When I was a kid, there was a long-running television game show called Truth or Consequences. This was in the days of black-and-white TV. Borrowed from an earlier run on radio, this program was the first game show to air on broadcast television, airing as a one-time experiment on the first day of New York Station WNBT's commercial program scheduled on July 1, 1941. But the series did not appear on TV again until 1950 when the new boob tube caught on commercially. The program gimmick was that contestants would be asked goofy trivia questions, and if they did not answer correctly, which they almost never did, then they had to pay some kind of consequence, usually being the object of a prank. The public loved this show, and it ran for years in the 1950s, and then much longer in syndication. I reference this illustration because it harks to a time, even in jest, when truth was considered a real and immutable thing, a time when truth, not alternative facts, not truthiness, not true for you but not true for me, actually existed. Today, we regularly witness the brazen rejection of scientifically demonstrable, biologically determinate, seen-with-your-own-eyes truth in favor of, well, untruth, and we think there are no consequences. Consider these examples. Number one, abortion. For thousands of years into the primordial past, families, clans, tribes, countries, empires, and civilizations acknowledged that the baby in its mother's womb was indeed a human being, and thus to be protected. And then came our time, when officially since 1973 we've said, nope, it's just a fetus. Somehow we know more about truth than all who've come before us. The moral, social, political confusion since are the consequences. Number two, immigration. Well, actually, we could now call it an invasion on the southern border of the United States. Tens of thousands coming into the U.S. without being vetted, with no concern for vaccination status, yet more than 8,000 U.S. military personnel were dismissed for refusing to get a COVID vaccine, with no idea who these mostly military-aged males are, and with the glaring example of the non-assimilation problems now being experienced in Europe. And yet each week, current administration personnel look into the cameras and argue that the southern border is secure. In media, if they report on this travesty at all, tell us there's no consequences. Number three, LGBTQ. The big news in Canada is that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced that the Parliament building restrooms would now provide free women's hygiene products in the men's restrooms. According to Canada's Employment and Social Development website, Menstrual products must be in all toilet rooms, regardless of their marked genders. So just like that, Canadian taxpayers are being required to pay for transgender ideology. But let's think about this for a moment. If a woman wants to be a lesbian or a man wants to be gay, they can take this immoral step without fundamentally wrecking the social order. But a so-called transgender person, a man who thinks he is and must act like a woman, a woman who identifies as a man, 
in most cases demand to be treated according to their sexual proclivities. Consequently, these spiritually troubled individuals drive a deep rift into what has been since the Garden of Eden, a biologically binary world. Male and female created he them. The consequences of transgenderism, and Satan, the father of lies, knows it, is division among families, friends, churches, and governments. Number four, plagiarism. Since three Ivy League university presidents testified before Congress December 5, 2023, regarding their university's woeful campus inaction with respect to open anti-Semitism, fallout from their atrocious, arrogant, aloof responses has continued. The three privileged academy presidents cited free speech and so-called context as defenses of their university's lack of response, apparently attempting to make the public believe based upon principle, that they were powerless to intervene as student groups sometimes harassed and threatened local Jewish students or personnel, and then shouted for the genocide of Jewish people in Israel. But hey, we have a problem, Houston. Such excuses were blatantly amoral and untrue. In truth, Ivy League campuses routinely sanction, punish, or remove staff, faculty, or students deemed culpable for speech or behavior deemed hurtful to protected minorities. Anyone who follows higher education knows that public universities, especially the Ivies, have all developed strict codes limiting free speech, requiring use of trans pronouns, pushing racist ideas in the name of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and otherwise forcing out people, including faculty, who hold non-progressive or conservative views, which are considered unacceptable ideology. Two of these presidents have now resigned, the first largely due to her clueless comments and her university's inaction to protect Jewish students, and the pushback pressure this triggered among wealthy alumni. And the second university president, Claudine Gay of Harvard University, resigning only in small part due to pressure generated regarding her similarly callous testimony. It took a month of obfuscating, distraction, and defense by the university board and a group of over 700 faculty members who rallied around President Gay before she finally resigned. This was after Harvard claimed to have investigated not Gay's congressional testimony, not the university's non-existent policies regarding anti-Semitism, but charges that had emerged alleging Gay plagiarized material used in her published scholarly work. Plagiarism, it should be noted, is or has been one of the mortal sins of academia. Yet at Harvard, rather than dismissing Gay outright, powers that be looked for ways to dodge this bullet. Harvard attempted to protect President Gay by inventing a weaselly phrase, duplicative language, which in everyday colloquialism means cheating, copying someone else's content. There have now been more than 50 examples of plagiarism lodged against Gay's work, meaning not once but repetitively including in her dissertation. She lifted entire paragraphs, copying and pasting another's work, and then wrote and passed them off as her own. Yet Harvard cleared her of actionable plagiarism. In the respective press releases from both Gay and the Harvard Corporation, racial animus was cited as a reason for her removal. In the past month, we've heard from other left-wing pundits that plagiarism is not really a problem. It's just another example of white supremacy. 
that Gay's plagiarism was just technical attribution issues or sloppiness. So now, in an effort to protect their politics, scholars, journalists, university administrators, and board members are willing to redefine plagiarism, which is to say falsehood has no consequences. This is little more than Orwellian doublethink, or what later was called doublespeak, the use of euphemistic or ambiguous language in order to disguise what one is actually saying. Cal Thomas noted that Claudine Gay and many other university presidents are only a symptom of what's wrong with our system of education from bottom to top. American public schools have followed the path of these universities, incorporating subjects that have little to do with proper education, and in too many instances indoctrinating young people with a secular progressive worldview. Ultimately, deeper restorative changes must be made in education, as well as government and commercial America. This involves rediscovering and reaffirming the reality of objective truth, the sacred value of morality and ethics, and the desire to do right and do well, because we know God, who is truth. The future of Western civilization is at stake. Well, we'll see you again soon. This podcast is about discerning what is best. If you find this thought-provoking and helpful, follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Download an episode for your friends. And for more Christian commentary, check my website, R-E-X-M as in Martin. That's rexmrogers.com. And remember, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Stand firm.